5. I know your bulletin says 5 through 7, but it's 5 through 8 today as we work our way through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Hosea, the first of the minor prophets. Verse 1, hear this, O priest, and take heed, O house of Israel. Give ear, O house of the king. For yours is judgment, because you have been a snare to mitzvah and a net spread on Tabor. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. We pray, Lord, for today, for all of our services, and that you'd prepare the hearts of your people. Lord, that you would bring healing upon your land as we will see, Lord. A lot of dealing with a nation, its leadership, its priests. So, Lord, that we would learn the lessons from Israel and Judah. We thank you for the book of Hosea. Speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you don't remember where we are, we have gotten to chapter 5. That's brilliant, isn't it? Uh, And we have seen that Hosea was charged by God to go and to marry a prostitute. His wife's name was Gomer. He had some kids by her. Well, at least one we know. The two other ones probably from her life as a prostitute. And God was using it to show how the nation of Israel and Jacob uh, and Judah in the south, how they had walked away from God as well. And so in chapter 4 from last week, we started to seeing, see that God was bringing charges against Judah. And that he, that's what he continues to do through this section. But I want you to note something. As he brings the indictments against them and he brings the charges against them, it is God's heart always for reconciliation. Amen? Now, that needs to apply as well in our human relationships. Even though you might have a charge against somebody, or somebody might have a charge against you, that is not the end of it. Please let that never be the end of it. Let it be that we always work towards the goal of reconciliation. That is God's heart. That is God's heart upon the cross, as we will see an illustration of that today. So let's dive into it. He says, hear this, O priest, and take heed, O house of Israel. Again, primarily Hosea ministering to the 10 northern tribes, the two southern tribes, they'll get their own prophet. Uh, Hosea speaks a little bit to them. And for the southern tribes, it is learning what is going on with the nation of Israel, what not to do. Have you ever noticed that? how God gives us examples in our own life around us of the things that he would rather us not do. That is called his grace and his mercy towards us, that he allows us to see that and says, hey, don't do that. Here's the example. Well, for Judah, that was the example of the north. And the north, as we will see, is really beyond help at this point. And again, Uh, making the note to remember a parallel between Israel and even our own nation. Is our own nation beyond the point as well? I don't know. The last election seemed like a lot of people liked the, the, uh, the climate and the control of the government. And so God says, well, then that's what you're gonna get as a nation. When a nation forgets God, and as we will see that, 
and I believe that is where we have, are headed as well. So notice the charge, and the charge starts at the house of God as well. Again, God saw the sinful state of the nation of Israel, and he saw it, and he put uh, the focus, number one, upon the leaders, not only just the priest, those who were uh, supposed to give God's word, but also the leaders who were supposed to be good godly men and women for our purposes. So when a nation and its church fails and its church decides to be woke, rather than hearing God's word, listen, I, I don't want to be the prophet, but that nation will get exactly what it deserves. When the word is not upheld, when all of these other social issues are upheld higher than God's word, when that nation will get what it's deserved. And God says, I lay the blame upon the priests or the pastors. He says in verse 2, now we're just going to start picking it up, everybody, because we've got four chapters to do. He says, now, the revolters are deeply involved in the slaughter. And though I rebuke them all, for I know Ephraim, and again, Ephraim, another uh, uh, title for Israel. And I know Ephraim, and Israel, listen, is not hidden from me. Uh, they thought that they could hide things from God as a nation. So to us, you don't think uh, that God looks upon the state of Pennsylvania right now who voted against an abortion uh, ban, and he's going to say, oh, no, no, you guys are fine. You can't get away with that stuff. You can't be pro-murder in this nation and think that God is not going to take notice of that. Now, for I know Ephraim and Israel is not hidden from me. For now, O Ephraim, you commit harlotry and Israel is defiled. And they do not direct their deeds, listen, towards turning to their God. So, he says, I see what they're doing. They're not trying to repent. In fact, they're trying to go wide open in the other direction. For the spirit of harlotry is in their midst, and they do not know the Lord. Now the pride of Israel testifies to his face. Therefore, Israel and Ephraim stumble in their iniquity, and Judah also stumbles with them. Now with their flocks and their herds, they shall go to seek the Lord. Listen. Underline this, but they will not find him because he has withdrawn himself from them. Guys, it can happen. It can happen individually. It can also happen as a nation. We can be so set in our sin and rebellion that God just leaves us alone. The most frightening thing is God allowing you to have what you want. Amen? That is the most frightening thing. God says, okay, you really want that? You really want that as a nation? I'm going to let you have it. And then you're going to have the consequences of that. And so usually we don't take notice at first, but when we call upon the Lord and we do not find him, then we will start to see the results of pushing God away. Now, I don't mean this as I crack up over this, but, you know, we'll have like an event like 9-11 or we'll have some other event, and then everybody calls upon the Lord. He's like, oh, now you want to come? Really? 
is was our nation completely turned after 9-11? No, because after a couple of months, what happened? Well, we forgot that, and we went back as a nation back to the lifestyle. So God says, that's why when you seek me, I'm not going to be there because I know your heart. <laughs> I'll try not to be depressing today. For they have dealt treacherously with the Lord. For they have begotten, listen, pagan children. Listen, I don't want to blame it on the 60s, but you know me. I blame it on the 60s. You see, because when you start that motion and then those 60s kids have kids and then those kids have kids, and because you uh, have generations that didn't want to focus on God and then they kept, uh, you know, into worldly stuff and all of that, and what do you expect the kids are going to do? He says, they have begotten pagan children. Now the new moon shall devour them and their heritage. Blow the ram's horn in Gibeah and the trumpet in Ramah and cry aloud, Beth-Avon. Look behind you, O Benjamin. Ephraim shall be desolate in the day of the rebuke. And among the tribes of Israel, I make known what is sure. And the princes of Judah are like those who remove a landmark and I will pour my wrath out them like water. Now, Judah in the south is watching what is happening in the north. I know this is shocking, but they're like, uh, we're going to take advantage of that, so we'll start moving our property lines. And he goes, I'm watching what you guys are doing too. Be careful, Judah. Again, God is allowing the northern tribes to go and be conquered by Assyria so that Judah would learn from that, learn what not to do. Verse 11, Ephraim is oppressed. And broken in judgment because, listen, he willingly walks by human precepts. Again, Ephraim sinned by living by man's standards and opinions instead of God's. We can't, buy, we can't walk by human precepts unless we first reject God's precept. I call, I call out the church and say, are you walking by man's precepts or God's? Are you more focused about being relevant to the day? I don't know about you, but God's word is relevant, but it, it is not seeker-friendly as well. Oh, yes, God reaches out to the sinner and calls the sinner by name and says, I have a plan for you if you would just repent and leave man's precepts behind. Not introduce them inside of the church. Therefore, I will be to like Ephraim a moth and to the house of Judah like rottenness. And when Ephraim saw his sickness and Judah saw his wound, then Ephraim went to Assyria and sent to King Jerob, yet you cannot cure you, nor can he heal your wounds. Ephraim didn't go to the Lord. Israel didn't go to the Lord when they were in trouble. They went to the world, and God says, okay, let the world try to fix you. Go ahead, I'll watch. And so, of course, they get swallowed up. For I will be like a lion to Ephraim and like a young lion to the house of Judah. I, even I, will tear them and go away. And I will take them away. Listen, and no one will be able to rescue them. And then I will return to my place, God says. Listen, till they acknowledge their offense. They will seek my face and in their affliction they will earnestly seek me. Again, 
This is the goal, and I, I, I need everyone to kind of clue in on this because this, this is what happens. People uh, look at the Bible, and they're like, I don't like that God of the Old Testament. Ever hear of that? I like that New Testament God. You know he's the same one. It's that God of the Old Testament. He's vengeful, and listen to this precept. This was the goal of God's judgment against Israel. The goal was not destruction. It was restoration. And God uses the judgment to bring restoration. Again, sadly, it is often only in our affliction that we earnestly seek the Lord. And this is what God is showing in the book of Hosea. Chapter 6. Now come, listen to Israel's response. And I'm sure you've heard this before from people. Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn, but he will heal us. And he has stricken, but he will bind us up. In these first couple of verses, we see Israel's response from the last couple of chapters that God was calling them to repentance. At first, like everything else, it seems like a genuine, heartfelt (laughs) repentance but as God will show us after closer examination we see that no sin is specifically confessed and the repentance is shallow and insincere and so God will continue on his path because it sounds like they are repenting when in fact they are not and after two days he will revive us and on the third day he will raise us up that we might live in his sight. Now, what's wonderful about this section is it gives us a foreshadowing of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Inside of Hosea, God is doing this work of restoration, and he is showing this, this great picture that will happen in for our purposes of the New Testament and show us that Jesus will be raised up and that he will give us life again. Verse 3 says, Let us know and let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. His going forth is established on the morning, and he will come to us like the rain, the latter and the former rain to the earth. So in verse 3, their response, let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. Um, Did they demonstrate that as a nation? Did they go and did they publicly repent? Did they go to the priest and kick the priest out who were pagan and get new priests from the south? No. Remember, our actions really do demonstrate our heart. How much is is, uh, talk? It's still cheap. And actions prove it. So when you're trying to bring in restoration, right, and you're showing this repentance and you're, you're acting out your repentance, this is what God sees. But they were so far away from that. Verse 4 says, O Ephraim, what shall I do to you? O Judah, what shall I do to you? For your faithfulness is like a morning cloud, and like the early dew, it goes away. So you say something, but at the end of the day, it doesn't turn out. You say that you want to return, but you don't. Therefore, I have hewn them by the prophets, and I have slain them by the words of my mouth. 
and your judgments are like the light that goes forth. In verse 6, very famous, Jesus quotes it, For I desire mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offering. So God shows that he is not interested in religion. He is interested in a relationship. Again, at this time, God's people are still bringing sacrifices to the temple. But they had forsaken mercy, and they had abandoned mercy because they had given up the knowledge of God. They had given up truth. So how can God prosper a land when they do that? When the politicians stand on the Capitol steps and say, God bless America, how is that possible if you and your own actions reject and kill that which is innocent? How can God bless anything like that? And by the way, how dare you do that? And why is there not lightning blowing up the Capitol? God's like, I can't stand it no more. If I hear one more... So they had forsaken mercy. Again, Jesus quoted this twice in Matthew uh, 9 and Matthew 12. Again, the, the priests, they had missed the heart of God. They were focusing on the wrong and superficial things. They were focused on religion and doing these things. Not a heart of repentance. Verse 7 says, but like men, they transgressed the covenant, and they have dealt treacherously with me. For Gilead is a city of evildoers and defiled with blood, and a band of robbers lie in wait for a man, so that the company of priests murder on the way to Shechem. Surely they commit lewdness. For I have seen a, a horrible thing in the house of Israel. There is a there is harlotry of Ephraim, and Israel is defiled. Also, Judah, a harvest is appointed for you when I return the captives of my people. I like how he keeps saying it over and over to Judah. I'm giving you guys a warning. I'm giving you guys a warning. Are you picking up on the clue? Ding, 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 red flag. Look at your neighbors and see what's going on. Chapter 7, we're doing well. By the way, not to hit the last point, but, you know, there are some some states in our nation that are doing well. And we can think that, okay, well, we're doing well, but those other areas of the country, you know, they're, they're like Israel. But God would say to South Carolina, be careful. Because you can quickly go down that path by letting too many Yankees move down here. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. Calm down. We're closed. Calm down. We're full. Yes, I mean, that's partly true. Because they can bring that mentality down here. And sure, low taxes are great. But why? why? Okay, I'll leave it. But South Carolina needs to be careful. I don't know what's wrong with Georgia, but they used to be a really conservative state. I think they're a great example of what not to do as a state. So we have to be careful in our own nation as well and for our own state. 
chapter 7, when I would have healed Israel, then the iniquity of Ephraim was uncovered and the wickedness of Samaria, for they have committed fraud. For a thief comes in and a band of robbers takes spoils outside. For they do not consider in their hearts that I remember all of their wickedness. Now their own deeds have surrounded them, and they are all before my face. Notice in verse 2, it says, They do not consider in their hearts that I remember all of their wickedness. Now it's just because we've had an election, but it's like God says, I know what button you pushed. I know what vote you cast for that amendment. I saw it. You think you're alone in your little voting booth. I saw it all. And I saw that you voted for evil rather than good. So God remembers their wickedness. And then they made, uh, verse 3, they make a king glad with their wickedness. And their princes with their lies. Why do? Why is it uh, that their wickedness makes the king glad? Because then the king can continue in his lifestyle as well. And by the way, it goes vice versa. Trickle down, right? Also trickle up. And so we have to remember that as a nation. <clears throat> and they make the king glad with their wickedness and their princes with their lies. And they are all adulteresses. Like an oven heated by a baker, and he ceases stirring the fire after kneading the dough until it is leavened. So God uses the illustration of a baker, but also a dove in a minute. And so he's going to give this illustration. I mean, how many of you bake bread on a hot rock? <laughs> See how I just narrowed it down? <laughs> You might bake bread and have that awesome artesian bread or whatever in your little oven, which is awesome, but do it on a hot rock. And that's God is going to use that illustration uh, with them. And so he says, uh, I don't know, what does he say? Five, thank you. Now, in the day of our king, the princes have made him sick, inflamed with wine, and he stretches out his hand with the scoffers. For they prepared their heart like an oven. And while they lie in wait, the baker sleeps all night, and in the morning it burns up like a flaming fire. For they are not all hot like an oven, and they have devoured their judges, and their kings have fallen, and none of them calls on them. For Ephraim has mixed himself among the people, and Ephraim is a cake unturned, so half-baked. Have you ever wondered where that term came from? Oh, no, you're going to use that tomorrow. I know where it came from. And let me Before I get to the half-baked, which is just kind of funny, this is why I love the Bible. It's funny. Ephraim has mixed himself among the people. That's their problem, is they're, they're mixing with the world. This has nothing to do with marriage or, by the way, I can't stand that when people say, well, the Bible, it's against interracial marriage. And it's not what it's saying at all. What it's saying is a Christian shouldn't marry a non-Christian. That's what it says. And Israel shouldn't marry 
pagans. But they did. They brought in the influences of the world inside of the church where it doesn't belong. And they are, they're having the mixed multitude come, not calling the mixed multitude to repentance, but just saying, hey, you can be comfortable here. And yes, we want all to come, but we expect some change. For the word of God doesn't return void. It does a powerful work in people's lives. Do you know why people leave in a huff here? (laughs) It's not because of anything I say. It's because they read the Bible and it made them feel uncomfortable and they don't want to address what's going on in their life. So they'll just find another church that won't teach it. And that that is a place of danger, God says. And then he says, my spirit will not always strive with men. And then I will let you have what you want. So let's get to the unbaked. So as they were cooking this bread on a rock, if you did not flip it over, you would have one side burn and the other side doughy. You ever get a pizza that's too doughy and not cooked? Amen. And you're like, what is going on? You had one job. Make sure it had enough time in that oven or whatever. Yeah, you had one job. And then you, and it's just dough. It, uh, it's not, it's, I love pizza. Anyone? Okay, then. So you know what it's like to bite into something. You're like, I cannot take pleasure in this pie. Well, what is God saying? That they are half-baked. The nation of Ephraim, the nation of Israel, is not a pleasure and a benefit to anybody around them. Now, I I really don't want to go down this path today, but I feel like the world is laughing at our nation. And we are becoming the joke in the world. When Florida can count all of their ballots by the end of the night, but you've got Arizona who just figured out that um, Teddy Roosevelt got elected, because it took them that long to count it. And then other nations are piping in and said, we can do our count by the end of the night. Why can't you, America? This land of great technology, you can't figure that out? I feel like we have become a laughing stock. We're half-baked. Verse 9, not only that, but aliens have devoured its strength. You know, a nation does have the right to protect its borders. Every nation on planet Earth, except for ours apparently, says no. Do you know that if you try to get into Mexico illegally, oh, but they have no problem shipping them up to us. You see, every other nation has its borders, and we're okay with that. In fact, we spent billions of dollars helping Ukraine fight its border incursion. You see, when you don't do that, notice verse 9, listen to the prophecy. When you allow that to happen, it robs a nation of its strength, of its purpose. Of its, please don't send me a letter that I am anti-immigrant or th- there is a right way to come into the United States of America. And I'm sure a lot of your family members at some point did it the right way and came in legally. There are a lot of people trying to still come into this nation legally, but they can't. 
And so aliens have devoured its strength, but he does not know it. Oh, we know it. (laughs) Yes, gray hairs are here. Oh, they're here. And they're on him, yet he does not know it. And the pride of Israel testifies to his face, but they do not return to the Lord their God, nor seek him for all of this. For Ephraim also is a silly dove. Listen, without sense. It doesn't make sense what they're doing. They call to Egypt. They go to Assyria. So Ephraim also is like a silly dove without uh, sense. They call to Egypt and they go to Assyria. They're calling on other nations for help so that they would pump more oil, even though we have plenty of oil here. Do you see how that makes no sense? If you live up in the north right now, the heating oil prices... I don't know how anybody is, is going to live up there through the winter. The prices are so high. Guys, we're a silly nation right now. We think a wind turbine and solar is going to solve all of our nation's energy crisis. That's just plain silly. He continues. <laughs> oh, these, these chapters are wonderful. <laughs> Wherever they go, I will spread my net on them, and I will bring them down like the birds of the air. I will chasten them according to what their congregation has heard, what their church has heard. Hmm. You mean God calls on the churches to do their job? Yes. Woe to them, for they have fled from me, and destruction to them, because they have transgressed against me. Though I redeemed them, yes, they have spoken lies against me. And they did not cry out to me, notice, with their heart. When they wailed upon their beds, they assembled together for the grain and the new wine, but they rebelled against me. So they don't like the consequences of their actions, uh, i.e. high inflation, but they don't want to do anything to solve it. And so they just complain about it and vote in the same people that caused the problem. He said, though I discipline and strengthen their arms, yet they devise evil against me. And they return, listen, but not to the Most High. They are like treacherous, they're like a treacherous bow, and that is a bow and arrow. Their princes shall fall by the sword for the cursing of their tongue, and they shall be a derision, listen, a laughing stock to the other nations, and specifically Egypt. By the way, Egypt, a type and a picture of the world. So Israel becomes a laughing stock because they said, oh, I thought you guys had a strong God. Remember, we don't live in this world, but back then, every nation had a God. There were no atheists back then. You just had the wrong God, Okay. But now what they say is, well, I guess the God of Jehovah really isn't that powerful because he can't really take care of Israel. But they fail to realize that God is using it as an example to the rest of the nations and to Israel. Chapter 8. So set the trumpet to your mouth. For he shall come like an eagle against the house of the Lord, because they have transgressed my covenant and rebelled against my law. So he's going to describe 
here and further through Hosea what God is going to do by using the Assyrians to come against Israel in the north, and then later on it will be the Babylonians to the south. So God uses these nations. Israel will cry to me, my God, listen, we know you. (laughs) We're your kids. Oh, really? Uh, And what have you done to show me your repentance? What have you done? What have you repented of? Have they repented? Have we heard them be specific? No. Israel has rejected the good, and the enemy will pursue them. God help a nation when it rejects that which is good and promotes that which is evil. For they set up kings, but not by me. They made princes, or for our purposes, politicians. But I did not acknowledge them. From their silver and gold they made idols for themselves that they might be cut off. For your calf is rejected. Remember, they had made a golden calf. Excuse me. Your calf is rejected, O Samaria, and my anger is aroused against them. How long until they obtain to innocence? How long will it take for them to come to me? For from Israel is even this a workman made it, and it is not God, but the calf of Samaria shall be broken into pieces. God cannot stand that idolatry, and it will be broken into pieces. Hence, you go to Israel today, you can see the altar, but no golden calf. For they sow the wind and reap the whirlwind. You want to know where that came from? Right in Hosea. For the stock has no bud, and it shall never produce food or meal. If it should produce, listen, aliens would swallow it up. Other nations will partake of it. God says, how can I bless a nation? How can I bless a nation who is going after that of the world and not of the precepts of the Lord? But I I, I say this as well. How could God bless a church when the church isn't doing its job as well? Israel is swallowed up, and now, listen, they are among the Gentiles, like a vessel in which is no pleasure. For they have gone up to Assyria, and like a wild donkey alone by itself, for Ephraim has hired lovers. Yes, though they have hired among the nations, now I will gather them, and they shall sorrow a little because of the burden of the king and of the princess, and because Ephraim has made many altars to sin, they have become for him altars for sinning. You know what God says? The more, ability, the more availability to sin, the more people are going to sin. Does that sound like it's genius? <laughs> And the more that you give the populace the ability to sin, the more that they're going to sin. If you do not incarcerate people for uh, doing criminal acts, you know what they're going to do? 
they're going to commit cr criminal acts. I know that's shocking because there is no deterrent, so they know that they can get away with it. Why would anyone pay for anything in California if you can go and steal up to $900 every day and not get arrested and steal that much from a store? Do you know that stores are closing all over California, Washington, Chicago? Big chain stores. They can't afford it. What are they going to do? I, I, I was reading an article about Oakland, California. <clears throat> what are you going to do, Oakland, California, when there's no more pharmacies in your town? And people can't get a simple prescription because CVS and Walgreens has to close because they get robbed three, four times a day. And, and where is the blame upon that? That's upon the politicians, those not incarcerating. God says that right here. It's shocking if we would just, I say this all the time, if we would just read the Bible. Yes, Though they have hired among the nations, now I will gather them, and they shall sorrow a little because of the burden and the king of the priests. Because Ephraim has made many altars for sin, they have become for him altars of sinning. For I have written for him a great thing in my law, but they were considered a strange thing. L listen, this tells us that the Bible is to be received by man as a good thing, not a bad thing, not this section of do's and don'ts. I don't like that stuff. It tells me what I can't do. Well, what God is trying to say is here's the boundaries of life. Paul also expresses the same idea. He says, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Again, the Word of God and the things of the Spirit are great things. That's what we know as the body of Christ. We know that they are great. Verse 13, For the sacrifices of my offerings, they sacrifice flesh and they eat it, but the Lord does not accept them, for He will remember their iniquity and punish their sins, and they shall return to Egypt. And again, Egypt, a type and a picture of the world. So God says, I've given you guys plenty of time. I've given you plenty of prophets. I've given you ample opportunity in election after election after election. But at some point, God is going to remove his hand from Israel, and he is going to remove his hand from the United States of America. If he has not already done it, God help us as a nation. But God has given us ample opportunity. He has given us freedoms that no other nation on planet earth has ever had. He has given us abundance. He has given us resources that we have in this nation that no other nation has. I'm trying not to end on a bummer. Verse 14. For Israel has forgotten his maker and has built temples. And Judah has also multiplied fortified cities. But I will send fire upon his cities, and it shall devour his places. So the reason why Israel is in the place that it is in, the reason why the United States is in the place that it is in, because it has forgotten its maker. 
Don't you dare let anybody fool you. This is a, this is a Judeo-Christian nation. It was founded on God's principles. Our laws are based on the Bible. If you go to Washington, you will see Scripture on the walls. I'm surprised they're not gone by now. But there is Scripture on the walls. If you go to the rotunda, I have been there and seen the artwork, you will see the heritage that this nation has with the Word of God. And even the least Christian of all of them, he proclaimed the providence of God in this nation. For Israel has forgotten its maker. But notice what the nation does when it forgets its, its maker. It builds temples. It builds other things to occupy its time. Now, I don't want to go off on the NFL today uh, because it's Sunday and because my Raiders are apparently losing the entire season and my wrath against them. But I want you to think about our nation, how we build these other facilities other than worshiping God because we take our time away from God and we put it on everything else. That's exactly what he said. How do you keep a populace busy? Will you drug them? We are the most drug nation of any other nation on planet Earth. We're the most unhealthy nation like any other nation on planet Earth. So we drug them and we keep them entertained. And then their focus will be off God because they have forgotten their maker. But notice he also says, well, Judah has multiplied fortified cities. God's point is Judah has no business fortified cities because they should be trusting in God, their maker. So they, they too are forgetting who they serve. And he says, I will send fire upon his cities and it shall devour his palaces. I tried to end Perky. Uh, it just wasn't there today. I think that um, as we get closer to Christ's return, and, I, and I, I'm trying not to be a downer, I think the only thing that we can do as Calvary Chapel Myrtle Beach is continue to study God's word and to humble ourselves and to proclaim to a nation that has forgotten its maker. And this, I feel like because we don't know history and we don't know history in the church, that we continue to promote that and say, oh, no, no, that's not what our nation was. They weren't this. They weren't that. But inside of the church, giving people the opportunity to break free of bonds, whatever that is in their life, giving them the opportunities and a support network so that they too would not forget their maker. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. <clears throat> we thank you for the prophet Hosea, Lord. What a difficult job to proclaim a message of destruction to Israel, a nation that wouldn't listen, wouldn't listen to him as well. But Lord, we thank you for it. And for such a time as this as well, for our own nation, that we would continue to heed. But Father, I just pray for the churches, that the churches would just declare your truth. Not man's opinion, not man's philosophies, not man's wokeness, but your word. Lord, let the church not forget its maker. 
pour your grace upon the church so that we would have the opportunity to proclaim goodness in this world, a way of escape from the snares of the world. Thank you, Lord, for your word now and the rest of this day. In Jesus' name, amen.